This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Worship God podcast. My name is Rob, and I'm glad you're with us on this episode. Many of you will know from our last episode that we were talking about the Behold Him conference that we were putting on in Barrie, Ontario. Well, that came and went, and we had a great time. We had about 400 people out for a worship night, and then about 150 people came out for the actual conference on the Saturday. And it was a great time of equipping and encouraging and teaching the church and worship team members. Well, we did a Q&A session on the last day where we talked about a bunch of little issues. Uh, it was myself, Lee Brubaker, Jody Cross, and Pat Sabell, and Tyler Connect uh, mediated that conversation. And so we wanted to let you in on the Q&A so you can take a listen right here. To start us off, guys, so the first question we got coming in is, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a, a kind of a, a, an easier one in some ways. When picking the key for a song, do you pick a key uh, uh, in a general range for the congregation or a key that works best for the worship leader? Who wants to take that Well, uh, definitely the congregation. Okay. But uh, I definitely lean toward a higher vocal range than maybe some would. Um, I definitely lean toward the male vocal range because Mm -hmm. that's me as a leader. Um, But usually if you're looking for a note to think about, if a song is hitting a C note, third space in the treble clef, if, if your song is hitting that note a lot, you're probably okay in that range. But if you're hitting D a lot, that's probably a little bit too high for most congregations. Hmm. But I'm, I'm hitting C and D top notes. If it's bumping up once in a while up to E, but coming right back down again, no problem. I, we can manage that. But, so but I love it when a congregation is really going for it vocally. Yeah. You've got to give some energy to it. I, that's, that's where it sits good for me. So I've heard the question before, though, in this case, with, if you listen to you know, Wickham or any of the, obviously their ranges sometimes surpass us, but if they're singing those keys with congregations there, why can't they work in our churches? That's a strange thing, but I'm almost <laughs> always lower than the originals. Okay. Almost always. Chris Tomlin, same. Yep. Wickham, same. What about you guys? Yeah, yeah, and those guys, they're in studio, yeah. and they're pushing themselves. And what Lee said about energy and passion, yep. you do that in the studio, and these guys are tenors to begin with, but that's probably not where most people are. Most male singers are not tenors, they're baritones, or yep. maybe pseudo-tenors, and most congregations are not. So that, a lot of that is, is production value yep. and not congregational value, so yep. we're living by a different, 100%. different rule for that. For sure. Cool. There we go. One done. Tyler, can I add a, yeah, a jump one in. comment? Sometimes I do feel like, though, the, the, the range thing is an excuse for people to not sing. Hmm. And I would say that the Bible says sing. Hmm. So sing. Like, if it's a little high for you, sing. Like, yeah. But God commands you to sing, so sing lower. I think what we need to do is our best job as worship pastors and leaders to pick good keys, but sing. Hmm. You got to sing. Like, God says sing. And so we'll do our best job but sing anyway. And if you're a lady and it's like, that's too high, sing lower, that's okay. Like, as long as we're singing something, I think that's the, the, big, the big thing for me now. I'm obviously not trying to get myself out of having to pick good keys. I'm just saying, <laughs> sing, it's, it's, we should be singing. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, number two. Uh, what do you do if you wanna introduce new songs to your church family, but there's complaints 
when you do it? Because they like maybe tradition, they like hymns. So let's start there. There's another part to the question, but let's start with that. What do you do when you want to introduce something new to your church, but there's pushback on that? How do you handle that? Never happens. Never happens. <laughs> Never happens. There you go. Moving on. Simple. <laughs> Don't all fight about who wants to answer this one, okay? Well, it, there's, it's always good to give the reason why. And, you know, you talk about the scripture, it says sing a new song to the Lord, so argue with God if they don't like it. That's the first thing. And then explain why new songs are important. Yeah. Because they say fresh things about God that we need just another glimpse of his glory in a different way. And then make sure that I think when you're going to introduce a song to your church, having explained the rationale theologically and just reasonably, then do it well. Mm. The team should, you know, don't tell them on Thursday that you're singing it Sunday. Yeah. Tell your team three weeks before 100%. so they are, it's locked in. Because the first time your church hears that song, you want it to be presented very well so that people go, I like that. Right key, right presentation, right arrangement. And hopefully, if you've done your job, they will love it too. Yeah. Send it out also to your church with, with social media. You can send an e-blast out to your church and say, hey, by the way, we're learning this song in a few weeks from now. Take a listen, put it on your rotation. Um, that's a helpful thing. Also, do it a few weeks in a row. That's what like, we would do. We'll do it like two weeks, give it a break, do it again. Um, and then don't do that too often. Like, like, try not to have constantly, constantly, like, new song, new song, new song. Hmm. You know, I would say, I don't normally give like a month break. That might be an exaggeration. But, you know, once every two months, a new song. Every three months. You just want to be careful how often you're doing them. Yeah. So you kind of answered this kind of second part, but what's your process for introducing new songs? How often do you play it right off the top? So you mentioned doing that a couple weeks in a row. Uh, any other strategies for getting people to learn new songs? Spotify playlist. Actually, I wouldn't mind just going back just for a second. Yeah, go back. Yeah. Ask the first question one more time. Yeah, so uh, what do I do if I want to introduce new songs to our church family, but there's complaints when I do? Okay, so this literally happened yesterday. <laughs> literally. Wait, Friday night? Yes, like, okay. before we came in here, okay. somebody came in. Yeah, I didn't like some of the songs they were singing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually did. We, we introduced Trust in God last Sunday. Uh, great tune. And so it's, if you know the song, it's based on Blessed Assurance. That's what a lot of the text is from Fanny Crosby. So hmm. literally, last Sunday, I'm up here, and I explain a little bit of who this person was back in 1874. She wrote this song, collaborating with another musician who wrote the music. It was a beautiful story, and it was a really great way to introduce the song. Mm. And then I said, but sometimes what happens with old hymns is new musicians today, modern musicians will take something that's been old, and they'll modernize it and give it a new life. And so this is what happened, and let's try this new version. So we sang it. And I think it was pretty good. Yeah. The church really got a hold of it, but, but a couple people came in, or one person came in and said, on behalf of others, <laughs> which they will say... <laughs> Which there really isn't others, probably, there might be, right? Like, yeah, the spouse. Yeah. Right? This, yeah. <laughs> this is what she, my wife thought. She yeah. said, she, said it was, uh, she did it kindly and beautifully, and it was, it was well done. She, yeah. wasn't, she wasn't angry at all. She just said, I didn't like it. Hmm. Uh, but love what you do, you know? Hmm. So it was, it was kind of a backhanded comment or something. But, Interesting. But, you know, I think as musicians, as leaders, as worship planners, we need to know how to shepherd those moments well and receive criticism sometimes. And if you know the Lord is in, the, in that decision and so much of the other church, other demographics of the church love the song, then carry on. Hmm. You know, don't let one comment distract you from what you know the Lord wants you to do in that song. But, but if there's a lot of comments like that, yeah. maybe it's the wrong song. Yeah. And yeah. we need to be submitting to that even in our own spirits. Um, so those can be hard things to work through too. Yeah. For sure. 
I say something? And you'll do it all right, like Jody said, and there still will be people who aren't happy. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So cheer up, you'll soon be dead. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming. That, uh, <laughs> That's the encouragement of Pat Savell. <laughs> Why didn't he drop the mic? He just <laughs> handed it off. Let's... Woo! Serve in the children's ministry. That's, <laughs> that's what you want to take away from this conference. Oh, man, yeah, you will get criticized. That's something. All right, let's move on here. Uh, this is getting... Uh, well, we'll do this one. Uh, what's your process like for building a Sunday set list? And do you guys have different approaches of how you do that? What's your week look like? What's your... You know. I'll, I'll go. So my, my process is normally on Thursday, the week before. Um, I'll open the text that I know is being preached on. I'll study it. I'll try to get a grasp of the kind of the big idea of what the, the text is about. Obviously, this depends on your liturgy style. So Pat will have a different answer than, than I would for this. Um, but once I get a sense of what do I think the text is about, then I, I start thinking about how can I craft the service around that text. And so at my church, what I would do is try to find songs that I think would supplement uh, the theme, kind of lead us into thinking about that kind of theme, and then songs that would be a good response and, and kind of benediction and commissioning outside. So by Sunday, I have all the songs in planning center, and then I send those out after church on Sunday. Normally, I'll get the final sermon from my senior pastor on like a Tuesday evening, maybe a Wednesday and sometimes he'll go, hey, I'd love it if we could sing this kind of leading out of it. And so then at that point, I'll send a final email, sometimes Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday, and our rehearsal is Wednesday night, so my band loves this. When I'm like Wednesday afternoon, hey, by the way, the pastor would like us to sing this obscure hymn, so let's do that. And uh, they love that. And so, because I, I, honestly, my, my opinion is always like, as much as humanly possible, I want to I do that. If he's got a suggestion, I want to make that happen. Yeah. And often, it's just musician pettiness that we don't want to. So I'm just good for like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And um, that's kind of the process. So by Thursday, send it out Sunday, final revisions midweek. Anybody else? The any, any difference to that? Uh, very similar. Very similar? Very okay. similar timing, yep. actually, almost identical. I'm not always right, and there's a lot of my musicians here who would really me, yeah, hold me accountable if I'm, if I'm saying wrong here, but... I try and do that. Is he telling and, the truth, uh, Sarah? It's true. It's fab. Yeah. Try and okay. do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Definitely rely heavily on Planning Center, um, getting <laughs> the songs there, the keys there, and all the resources that, that musicians need, the YouTube link that connects to it or whatever, the charts that are, are needed. Try and get that as soon as we can. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I know we just bless our musicians, don't we, when they come prepared to rehearsal and they've taken a few days to get ready on those things. We just love that. So yeah. the more we can front end load what they need is better. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard in the past some, 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 the complaint is, um, you know, my lead pastor isn't ready. Can you guys speak to maybe the idea of, of communicating with the lead pastor about timing and trying to be ahead of time? I know you're a lead, so maybe you can't answer this one. Talk to myself. Yeah, actually. yeah, so. <laughs> but is there, is there a conversation to be had there about, you know, trying to get maybe a sermon prepped a little earlier so that you can have a better, or are you guys like, wait till Saturday night if you need to? Like, what's, what's your thoughts on that? How flexible or rigid should the, you be? I think the principle that I'm hearing from these guys is that advanced timing is better for everybody. And there are people who are really flexible in the moment, but mo most musicians, particularly if they're precise, 
they, they love and you bless and you honor them when you're seven, seven days out, five to seven days out. Yeah. Because if we're asking them to do, like you said, yep. they're going to need the time. And if, you're, if your lead pastor is working from a preaching calendar, we're actually working through First Peter. Yeah. We actually know what we're preaching for the next number of months. So you can actually look at that text and say, this is about suffering or this is about shepherding. Yeah. And so even if you don't know where that sermon's going to go specifically, you have a, a sense generally where that's going to go. Yeah. And uh, the one thing I would add to you guys about the, the specific sermon idea is that sometimes there's moments in, a, in the church year. So, for example, on a communion Sunday, mm-hmm. that's going to affect how I'm planning songs because mm-hmm. there's going to be some cross, uh, you know, songs and um, the death of Jesus is going to figure into what I'm picking or what we're singing. Or if there's another, if it's a missions theme, so you think about seasons, whether it's Thanksgiving, uh, whether it's Advent, so that's going to affect your overall song choices beside just the specific sermon time. Sure. Yeah, um, just in regarding uh, choosing songs and how to put your layout together for a Sunday, a couple things I would say about that. Usually I try and go thematic, like you're saying. Look at the message, read the text, and start working from that, if at all possible. Uh, But sometimes you really can't find songs on the theme. Your pastor's preaching on hell. Hmm. (laughs) Like, there's no songs like that. There's songs on heaven, there's songs on judgment, maybe. Yeah, raise a little hell. You're not going to sing that probably. I'm on the highway. <laughs> so, so what do you do then? What do you do then? Well, you sing about God's Jesus. God's given up. He's done his two plenary. He's given up. He's, He's, a squirrel he's back in BC here. time. He's... I was also going to say the way I plan my service is I go to YouTube and I look for the songs that have the most hits. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's yeah, what right. I said. Oh, man. This is the other side of Pat coming out this now. Is, this is it. This saying. is his altar. This is his twin brother. Right <laughs> Here's one thing to think about, though. I learned this uh, recently in a class I took. Um, if, you, if you're not quite sure you can do a thematic plan for a certain Sunday, try a gospel-centered plan. Mm, yeah. So start with who God is, songs, vertical focus, um, attributes of God, and then next, try and get some kind of confession, sin, thought. Come on. Come on. Right? Preach. Right? His mercy is more, whatever it is. And then the, the, the raising up of salvation theme. You can Ooh. almost always do good with that. Lee said he heard it somewhere. I think he heard it this afternoon. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't in that class. But yeah. But yeah anyway. That's great. Yeah. Um, another tip. If you're looking for like finding good songs for worship, look up Pat Sabell and just don't do those. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is, Ouch. How many hits does Rob Brockman have? I don't know. Um, okay. Ouch. <laughs> I have zero, too, but I don't know. I don't know. All right, we're getting into a little bit of a heavier one here. Uh, what would you say to the person who just doesn't make the cut when auditioning for a worship team? How do, ooh, yeah, ooh. How do you respond? How do you encourage them to respond when they feel rejected? Yeah. Those are hard conversations. One of the things I do, you know, when you put the net out, you're going to get all sorts of fish. Yep. Sometimes you are le- you're a little less excited about some of the fish. But, <laughs> but I try to frame the question when someone comes and I say, the bigger issue is not whether you should be on the worship team. The bigger issue is how's God wired you, gifted you, and where can we help you to plug into the life of this church so that you can serve well. That's a bit of an exit door, actually, as you're hearing that. But it's true, though, because if God has not gifted them to sing or to play, 
maybe their passion lies somewhere else, or maybe they're really suited to do music in kids' ministry or in a small group setting or with the youth or some other place other than where they think they want to go. Or, you know, it's pass or fail. If they make it, then they pass. If they fail, they're, they feel like they're losers. So I try to set it up in that way. Yeah. And uh, that helps people to con- contextualize my gifting. And the Bible says, think soberly about your gifting mm-hmm. and not to think more highly of yourself than you should. But those are not easy conversations. The second thing, when you're having um, an audition, which is really the question behind the question, it's always wise to have two people in the room with you. So it's not Rob, Rob and, and Joe talking, and Rob says, Joe, you, you didn't make it. Hmm. It'll be Rob and I and Joe. And so we listen together, we talk together. And so when the decision is brought down, it's, it's not a personal vendetta, Rob against Joe, it's we as in your co-leader or your assistant or whatever. Um, that we're, we're believing this together and thinking this is the way we should go. So that's, that's a bit of protection for you. Yeah. And then with lots of affirmation for Joe yeah. and lots of love and, and thanksgiving and, and gratitude. Yeah, I would say uh, develop a little bit of an expectation plan of what you're looking for. So if you have different ministries in the church, like a choir, mm-hmm. probably you can receive more singers there than are meant to be on stage with a microphone, a single microphone in front of them. Yeah leading worship from the front of the platform. Um, so maybe you have a different expectation there. But, but maybe on the front, if they're a, a worship leader or someone who has a microphone like this, it's not only can they sing well, it's can they present well, hmm. right? Are they a leader up front? Um, if there's all kinds of awkward that they're, they're por- uh, portraying, probably they're not meant to be up front. And that's hard to hear. But that's what Simon Cowell's famous at. <laughs> Isn't he? <laughs> but someone, someone probably has to be that strong leader to say no. Yeah. And that's really hard to do, but somebody's got to do it, and maybe it's you as the leader. Mm-hmm. No, or maybe not yet, right. and not now. Or can we coach you? Or Yeah, yeah. There's some t- sometimes there's room for development process and learning and tutorials and lessons and all of that stuff. And, sorry, go, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I, I actually want to hear Pat's answer on this because he does have a very... Um, I know a bit about the way that he works with musicians, so I would be curious about that. But what I would say is this, is that um, part of my role as a shepherd in the church and a pastor is not just getting people on the worship team. Mm -hmm. It's about equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And so I don't want to be so myopic that I'm like, no, you don't fit my ministry, see ya. Like, it's it's about, I hear you coming to me looking to serve. Mm -hmm. If it's not here, let's find out I'm not going to stop until you find that. I'm not going to stop until you have a sense of your gifting, you have a sense of your calling, you have a sense of how God has um, gifted you, and then where in the church you can meet that, that ministry. And I often ask the question this, is, is the question I would ask is, if you could create a ministry for yourself in the church, what would that look like? Hmm. Because sometimes those positions don't exist. So just sky's the limit. If you could have a ministry, what would that be like? And that helps me get a bit to the heart of what that person is really about who God has wired them to be. And so, yeah, my, my primary job as their shepherd is not just to get them on the worship team or not to just make them better musicians. It's to help equip them for ministry, whatever that might look like. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think it's really important to create a culture in your music team of humility and doing this and never this. So when you have a guy that says, I'm the bass player, I've always been the bass player, Hmm. I've played in this church for the last 11 years, dangerous. But if you have, so I I had 
adopted this from a guy named John Payne, a friend of mine. I, in my music ministry, I fire my entire team every year. And I use that word, so. Uh, and I do it for two reasons. One, because there's some guys that I never want to lose, but I need to do this. Hmm. And so I say, it's that time of year again, guys and gals, and you might been like, I really want to serve in children's ministry, but I don't know how to tell Pat. So I'm giving them the invitation that this is your year to say, I'm not going to play this year. Secondly, is I need to know, do they have faith and does their spouse have faith if they have a spouse? Hmm. Are they angry at them every week because they're going early to play an instrument while their this spouse stays home dealing with four children trying to get them ready for church? So I literally send out an email, I give them two weeks to pray, and I say, you're officially no longer on the worship team. And it's beautiful, because when you create that culture, uh, people start emailing you or meeting you for coffee and say, Pat, I, I love being on the team, but I don't need to be. Hmm. And if you feel like there's someone that could do a better job than what I do, um, absolutely do that. And I would say one of the best things I did and I continue to do always, and if you got a pen, write this down, but Harold Best's music book, Music Through the Eyes of Faith, uh, chapter five on excellence, read that with your worship team every year. And it, it, is, it just talks about stewardship. And so he talks about if you're a C musician, be the best C musician you could be. Don't try to be an A musician when you're not. So I, I literally talk in my team about when I audition someone, I say, I think you're a C. I've already set it up. And Cs don't get a lot of opportunity. Um, my A band will play a lot more than my B band or my C band. And, but I think it's not a, like a, it's not a belittling, according to Harold Best, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's the, the parable of the talents. Some, some guy got five and some guy got two and one guy got one. And, and what, was, what, did, what did the master say at the end of that? He said, to the same thing to the guy with five and two, you've been faithful what I gave you, enter the joy of the Lord. So, so my C musician should, should just be faithful what God's given him and, and, and I should, Stewardship is just trying to be a little bit better seed tomorrow than I was today. Hmm. Lee, you have a chart that you use, right? Of, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you maybe just kind of tease out a little bit of what that looks like? Because I think it would be helpful to, to develop within a yeah, ministry. Yeah, I, I developed something that helped me think through the categories of what we look for in different areas of music ministry. Um, so first of all, you have a heart for the Lord. Are you saved? Hmm. Are you a believer? Okay, at least that's something that you got to be qualified in. Mm -hmm. um, are you a musician? a musician? Are you a singer? Can you sing on tune, on pitch? But then as you come up in leadership on the platform, um, can you present well? Do you show what the words are saying in how you present? Are you smiling or are you so stiff that you're distracting on your, in your presentation? It's kind of weird to think about that, but I yeah. think it's helpful. Actually. It's important. Yeah. It is it's important. And then if you're a worship leader, do you actually have the skills as a leader to set some direction and people follow you. So there's some categories that I've developed that are kind of helpful. But one thing I would say, um, as a church, in your philosophy of worship, I've seen two kinds of churches. Um, as I've 
witnessed and noticed things over the last 25 years of my involvement. And that is one kind of church that, that um, only brings on professional musicians. And they're sometimes literally all hired. They're paid. Hmm. And no one that's a B or a C gets on the team. Because the church says that, that their philosophy is we will do professional music and only that. Hmm. And, and the, the music they, pro they provide is amazing. It's top-notch, it is recording quality, yeah. and that's what they're known for. The other kind of church is the kind of church I like to be, and that is a developing church, a, a growing church, a welcoming church of the younger generation, a training place where um, people that are coming up actually have place to serve and to grow. Hmm. And so yes, we want A musicians, hmm. but we're gonna take Bs as well, mm -hmm. because we're a body of Christ together. We're not a band, we're not a gig. We're a family, we're a body of Christ, and we want to serve together. So, so like literally here, we are actively working with junior high and senior high students to raise them up in their level so that someday they're ready for here. Yeah. And so how can we transition them from there to young adults or, or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Like we are, we're trying to be that, that place where, yeah. where the calling of God, the gifting of the, of the Lord is actually being fostered. Yeah. And that's what I want to be anyway. So. I think we'd all agree, no A musician started out as an A musician, right? Um, you got to grow. All right, let's move on. Uh, do you guys think there's a benefit in having set teams or constantly rotating uh, ecosystem of instruments and vocalists? It might be dictated based on your numbers and your ministry, I don't know, but what do you guys think about that? Having set teams or just kind of putting them in as you see matches? I've only ever had like fluctuating, I've never had set teams, so I wouldn't know a comparison, yeah. just personally, but mm. couldn't speak to the set team. Mm. I th think in worship ministry, seasons bring different fluctuations, and there's seasons of plenty and seasons of leanness. <laughs> and it's really easy to do set teams when you have three of everybody, or three sets of everybody, and that's really easy to plan. But if you don't have that, then your set teams become really clunky because they don't really stay consistent. But advantages and disadvantages to both, if you have set teams, Definitely, there's a cohesiveness that develops. They know each other relationally, they know each other musically, and that becomes a very tight unit. The downside of that is it can become cliquish, because that can be that team, we are this team, it can become somewhat insular. The opposite is if you're playing with someone every week, different people every week, you don't know each other, maybe the, f the vocalists don't, don't really know each other that well, or the bass and drums don't know each other as well. Uh, but the mixing up is also great for developing better relationships and causing everybody to work together. So I think when you come to a conference like this, you, you have to take everything you hear and you go, what works in our context? Hmm. What makes sense for our people in our setting? You know, for example, you could say, well, we need to have a midweek rehearsal and a Sunday rehearsal. Well, in our context, we don't have a midweek rehearsal. Would it be good? Yep. Um, but it just doesn't work for scheduling and for some people that live away distant. So you go, that's not going to work for us. You got to go. What will work in our context, um, and uh, you know, don't feel bad that someone else does it differently. Yeah, great. Uh, this is an interesting one. Um, I saw this when I was in Lebanon as well. But uh, it, it, some cultures have the worship team at the back of the church or even to the side, um, so there's no temptation for the focus to be on the team. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this? If you have any input, any any considerations, is there merit to this? Is this outside of our norm? Would it be a distraction in itself to do something like that? What do you think? That's pretty bizarre in our context, in North American context, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Catholic churches are often like that, I think. The organ's at the back, the choir's at the back, 
and really there's almost no one vocally leading, but that's really not the norm in evangelical churches. Am I, I, I think we need leadership. I am, really do. Am I mistaken that Matt Redman did something like this where he went with his team to another, he did like a trial thing where they went to another room and they led from a, from a separate room for, for a period of time. I could be wrong, but if it was Matt Redman or... or yeah, okay, there yeah. Was no, it was a trial was no music thing. It wasn't a like a regular thing, but, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't have any thoughts? I don't want to force anything, but just an idea. I, I think there's often like a religiosity about, you hear people pray, like when they get up there, just don't let them be seen at all. You know, just let the Lord shine through or whatever. I get it, but the the, the scriptures are, what has Peter said? It was... They, they were, there was men moved by the Holy Spirit. You read the Gospels, there's personality, right? And so the, the reality is on this stage is, is a bunch of people that are in the trenches with you doing, trying to live the Gospel just like you. And so there's a sense where, yeah, that we are, we look, skin just like you and, and you know, you should hang out at my house at dinner just one night. You would feel so good about yourself and your life. <laughs> just one night. So, so I, I, like I, I get that, but I think sometimes it's, it's, like I think it's God works through broken vessels and he works through humans, through people, and somehow that is his, his beautiful bride. And whether you're in children's ministry or on the stage or doing parking ministry he's working through you and he's he's using you and and you know sure can we be tempted to pride or i i usually break a string every time i'm like i talked this morning i'm having the big ride in the waves like this is good i'm good the band's good it's like twang it's like, oh, my, my arm and that's the lord is going i should i should crush you right now i should put you under the stage but yeah. i'm just going to break a string instead so we deal with pride and we deal with all that stuff, but you're, you're still a, a jar of clay that he's, he's... I think there are things that we can do to offset some of that. Um, I don't know if it would, the dramatic necessity of moving the band to the back, but I think we can have conversations about how are our sanctuaries designed? Mm -hmm. um, what are our liturgies communicating? I think, I think there are conversations that we should have and could have that might start getting us to think, what does that reflect, the way that we've set up our stage, the way that the art is in our sanctuary? What is that reflecting about what we believe about worship? Hmm. I think those are the more important questions to ask maybe in our context because we have more resource to try different things. Um, so maybe in a little hall where it's, I was just in the DR, and there's a little hall, it's hot, and there's no space, and there's two instruments. So yeah, the easy thing is just you can move things back pretty yep. easily. Yep. But in our context, I think we need to think more deeply mm -hmm. about some of the things that we're doing that are leading people into idolatry, pride, hmm. and maybe have some self-assessment. Yeah. We got time for just maybe a couple can I more jump here. Jump in on that. Yeah, for two sorry, go for it. Yep. I once heard Brian Dirksen say that when we dress for worship, you wear one of two t-shirts. One says notice me, and one says notice him. Hmm. And that the bigger discussion is the attitude that your musicians step onto the platform on Sunday with. If it's humility and a desire, as you said, to be not noticed, or, or at least to make Christ the one who's most noticed. Yeah. And I think that is the, puts the onus on all of us um, just to work, to work at actually give, giving him the glory, not to be up there for our own 
accolades. 100%. Yeah, so a couple minutes, just time for maybe give you a couple more. Unfortunately, we can't get all the, they're flowing in here, which is cool. Uh, one thing that we, you guys really wanted to do when you established the conference was to meet maybe some uh, supporting worship needs, right, for, for teams, not just leaders. So we have a question from somebody here. It says, when the worship pastor is used to leading, every once in a while they let you lead, but while you're leading, they take over. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. No way. Um, how, how do you deal with that? Do you just allow it? Do you say something to the leader saying, hey, I really want this opportunity or like back off or like you have control issues or like, you know, like, you know, like what do you, or, or yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you say to them? Yeah. I think, uh, was that you, Aaron? <laughs> I think, I think I sang your solo yesterday. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, yeah, so Lee is one of the culprits here. Yeah. He, uh, does Sarah, I've done that to you. Where are you? He yeah, has control issues yeah, here. I've That's okay. That. Yeah, do you say anything as a supporting uh, leader, to, to, or do you just kind of let it happen? They're the, the worship leader. How do, you, how do you manage that? I usually, I usually just ask their forgiveness because I'm old and senile. <laughs> so in the rehearsal, I'm like, Becky, could you sing this verse? And then I'm just yeah. in the moment, and I yeah. just jump in, and I'm she's just... like, loser. <laughs> And then, and I, like, I'm literally, sometimes it's like, um, we're doing the benediction, and I'm like, I forgot Becky was going to say <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. yeah. No, not you, me, as well. No. Yeah. Yeah. But those conversations, you know, I think the concept is great. And when we, we fail, and this is a bigger conversation, again, that those after-the-fact conversations really should happen, just that we love one another to say, hey, by the way, Remember we talked about that and it didn't happen. It's like, as Pat would say, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toes. But those conversations need to happen for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Um, bad attitudes, missteps, and that's the way we grow together. And the uh, Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. So mm. if we have those conversations in love, that'll build the team. Yeah. But I think concept is beautiful. Yeah. Leadership development. Yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah. We want to be not just the guy who's paid. Yeah being the one always singing the solos and singing up front in front of the church. So, yeah, do what we can, all of us, do what we can to raise up the next generation and to pour into others and let them take the lead and maybe make a misstep, but take the lead again and, and pour into it. And yeah. It's just a beautiful, beautiful expression of the body of Christ all serving and growing together and not just the professionals. Because what if, what if we're like that? Well, we're pre-Reformation then. Hmm. When the priest was the only one leading everything, and that's going back 500 years, and we should have learned our lesson by then, so by now. Okay, so one more, and then a really fast one at the end, and then we're wrapping up. But uh, can you speak to the person who had the responsibility of a worship leader handed to them, is feeling overwhelmed, uh, has little support, and wants to do well, but is unqualified for the task? Maybe this is a volunteer that, that I don't know, is the only one. They don't have a paid staff member, but they feel underprepared. How do you, how do you guys say to, to encourage them? Heritage. Seriously. Yeah, get, get schooling, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. They've got a ton of resources there and people to help, and that's one answer. Hmm. Find someone local that you can get some mentoring and encouragement from. And uh, if you don't know anybody, anybody up this platform, come and talk to us if that's you. And we would love to walk with you and encourage you. And, and we've been there, by the way. We've, we've all felt overwhelmed and like we didn't have a clue what we were doing. I would say sometimes you're overwhelmed because you're not supposed to be doing it. So you're trying to fill a hole, but mm. you're really not the one that's supposed to be doing it. And sometimes you're overwhelmed because you are the person that's supposed to be doing it. Yeah. And they're, 
you just need some help. But I think there's two sides of that coin and, and often that wrestling to go like, I'm, I'm not gonna do this, I, I, don't, I don't need to do this. Um, I'm gonna let somebody else step in. And, you, and listen, the Lord will always provide. Mm. He always does. And mm. you're never indispensable and there's someone right behind you that's gonna step in to fill your shoes. And be careful to not, to not compare. It can be easy in that situation to go, well, I can't, I can't do this because you're thinking of the church down the street or the band that you watch on YouTube. Right. Um, the best gift that you can give your congregation, it's you and a piano or you and a guitar, and that's all you've got. You pick a few songs and sing them to Jesus with authenticity because you love him. Yeah. And anybody who criticizes that just ignore that, you know? That's, that's, at the end of the day, that's all that you're, you want to lead your people in singing songs, and the, only, the best way to do that is to love Jesus and to do that as well as you can. And, and then you can leave that. You can, it's up to them if they're going to respond, if they're going to criticize you, if they're going to judge you. That's on them, and that's between them and God. Yeah. But for you, just love the Lord, put the expectations low. I'm just going to sing these songs in worship to Christ. I'm going to, I'm going to call people to sing with me to a loving savior who is gracious and kind and compassionate. And if they're gonna sit there and judge you, then hmm. I would say there's deeper issues in them. Really quick last one, or do you have one last thing to say? No. Nope. Really quick last one. Do you guys have a favorite worship song that you uh, can't, can't stop listening to right now? What's your top one? All Sufficient Merit. Okay. That's a winner. By, by who? Say the artist. Um, Shane and Shane and Bethany Bernard. She okay. also did a version. Yep. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, how deep the Father's love. I, I, that song can never get old for me. I don't know why. I just get wrecked always and could sing it every Sunday. Yeah, for me, that's before the throne of God above. That song is just, man, I'll sing that every week. Yep. Lee? That's a really hard question to answer. I know. Because it's almost always the newest song. It's, it's always changing, I'm sure. Like, but yeah. But what's like, the one? What's the one? Trusting God. Trusting God has been in my head, I tell you that, because we just taught it. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, is that the elevation one? Yeah. So we know Lee's position of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do. I'm just joking. We're, we uh, my, mine would be Jehovah by Elevation right now. It's really? a fire, fire one. But Okay, can we say thank you to these guys? Great job. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.